A Shot of Wrestling, episode 79. And away we... We going off the script. If you don't submit, you get hit with the super kick. We talk at WWE. It's a shot of wrestling with Green Man and MJP. That's right. This is a shot of wrestling coming to you pre-recorded from Omega Studios. And on tonight's show, we discuss the solar eclipse, the winners and losers of SummerSlam weekend, and our exclusive interview with Mike Orlando. Alright ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know it by now, I'm the Green Man and usually I'm joined every week by MJP. MJP is on vacation, he took some well-deserved time off, hope he's using it wisely. If you're following him on Instagram, you notice he just fought, got a whole bunch of new figures that he's playing with. I, I, you could say he's maybe playing with himself. Anyways, I need someone to fill in the gap here this evening, so tonight we have Jeff the Intern. I'm. That's when you say hello. By the way. Oh, thank you. Um, I didn't know when to speak, so yeah. thank you for this opportunity. The, great. That's my congratulations. You know. This is your first podcast. Mm-hmm. Welcome aboard. Thank, um, th- thank you. Wait, you I, okay. Yes, that's exactly what you say. You have done a great job. You got us the beer. You got me my backup beer, which is even better. Mm-hmm. You're off to a good start. Very good start. How do you feel? Well, I'm 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 just, you know, very grateful to have this opportunity. And uh hopefully uh, you know, I will get promoted from this intern position. Um when and hopefully you don't fuck up. Because you could get fired. Oh, I, I didn't know this was a, a rated R. We, we can say we can say the f bombs. No, I can. You oh. cannot. No, I okay. can. Okay. You cannot. But Jeff, the intern, if you lived in the United States, you would have seen the solar eclipse. Did, did you see it directly? I personally saw seventy. What was it like seventy one percent? I'm surprised <laughs> that they considered that a solar eclipse for our part of the. United I, States. I didn't even feel like it got dark. It was I was expecting mi- like a blackout. It was for a, a miracle, man. A miracle, <laughs> miracle solar eclipse. Everybody was all jacked up about it. Yeah. There were people making lines for these glasses and shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't buy one. I just stayed indoors. Did you, I saw people. They took their uh, cereal boxes and they put like, some tin <laughs> in there and they're like, and then and then when you were a kid. You could take like a white piece of paper and you're like, just put a white piece of paper and you look up and you see this little dot. I was like, cool. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but maybe when I was younger, I feel like there was a solar eclipse. Or maybe am I just dating myself? Listen, am I too old? No, we've been through several solar eclipses. It's just that to have total totality eclipses was the first time in the united states since like 1928 or whatever that date was so it was like 80 was, some years ago yeah and 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 just i don't you know let's not dread on this because we're really talking about here about wrestling we're not the first solar eclipse we're just america just remember it's america it's a miracle <laughs> solar eclipse you know just remember that there's south america there's asia there's africa they've had solar eclipses too i like it as you were discussing um america and america. and the southern parts of america your yeah. hands seem Immediately went into a DX motion. That's right. Like you were just telling the rest of America to suck it. Awesome. Yeah. But like you mentioned earlier, see, you already get a point because you're bringing us back on board, which yeah. why we're here. We're here to talk about wrestling. Oh, we're here to take here. some shots. It doesn't have to be alcoholic shots. It could be a shot of espresso. Maybe you're you're a deathmatch wrestler and you could do shots of chairs, you know, and that's how you enjoy your shot of wrestling. Mm. But uh, SummerSlam happened. Uh, you joined me this year for mm. SummerSlam. How was it for you? <sighs> Adventure. For the record, that was my first SummerSlam. Okay. It was my only third WWE event. Wow. Yes. I didn't know that. My Well, my Go first ahead. one was with you. We went to WrestleMania together. Okay. My second one was I went to a Raw roulette in Las Vegas. SummerSlam happened. We posted our predictions. 
on our Instagram, and that's at a shot of wrestling on Instagram. For, for the record, I was not able to participate in these predictions. No, this was last week's show. Yeah. yeah. And um, we got on the SmackDown brand, we only got two wrong, which I, I thought was pretty impressive. Um, what were the two wrong you got? Well, well, let me tell you who won first. Okay, so Jinder Mahal, we got that one right. He won against Shinsuke Nakamura. AJ Styles won over Kevin Owens. We uh, predicted that. John Cena won over Baron Corbin. We, we were talking about how Baron Corbin's just getting the shit end of the stick these days ever since he cashed the money in the bank. I'm telling you, he screwed someone over. I don't There's, know who. There, there is a dirt sheet, and you know what? I press play on the dirt sheet. Uh-huh. And then I press stop because I was like, I don't care about Baron Corbin. I get it that he got for- he got forced. Okay, he got forced to cash in the week of WrestleMania, uh-huh. right? And then he got well, he got forced to cash in um, yeah. a week leading to yeah. Well, we got sorry, Rest, uh, Summer SummerSlam, Slam. Summerfest, whichever one it is. Okay, <laughs> Re- Summer- WrestleSlam, whatever. But the whole point is, yes, the week of SummerSlam, uh, Baron Corbin was forced to cash in, and then he got shoved into a one on one with John Cena just just to make sure because John Cena is like the king of burying okay he's <laughs> like you want to make sure that you're buried put me up with john cena That's you know all I you know say. for for a few weeks on smackdown he was coming up and and losing matches like he lost that match to shinsuke knock him over and we, i think it was to serve a point like hey i don't go out there and bury people i should go out there and put people on a pedestal and push them to the next level just so he could swerve us and then bury baron corbin i'll tell you i'll tell you it, it's all part of his plan overall i think john cena is great but i just think <laughs> i just think i don't anyways I, I, it feels like you're a little bit unclear about John Cena so we definitely will move over yeah. we predicted that uh, the New Day will retain the titles against the Usos and here's where we fucked up a little bit we we thought that Rusev was going to get over he, he's he been out for a while he came back Randy Orton got in his way this is someone who in my opinion could be the face of the company and I thought Randy Orton was going to do the good deed and put Rusev over your thoughts um, straight up, I think uh, Randy Orton's entrance was longer than the match. <laughs> uh, I personally was so inebriated that night that I totally forgot that that match went through until you brought it up because it was a squash. Um, the other thing we got wrong, intern Jeff, is um, Natalia won the title. It's something really? that we wanted wait, to see. Wait, 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 wait. We we booked that Naomi would retain. We thought that the veteran was going to continue to put over Naomi, but we also thought that um, Carmella would be cashing in money in the bank at SummerSlam. Hmm. It did not happen. Congratulations to the new SmackDown Women's Champion. I think uh, the thing what about Natalia is that she's halfway out. So I think what they did was as a favor, they're like, let's put you on the belt. So when you retire in the next six months or so, because she's going to be she's going to be agent i'm pretty sure that's where her spot's gonna her be. future is yeah. in the wwe yeah. she's not going anywhere she has too much bloodlines deep into yeah. the organization and that she's, she's far, never gonna be cut she's by far one of the if not the best experienced wrestler still I active agree. I agree. You know, so that's my uh, my thoughts about Natalia, and I I was rooting for her in the night of the show, just mm-hmm. just because. Uh, you sure? Because I, I think during this match is where you went to get a hot dog and a beer, and then I followed you, and we I, missed I was it. rooting for Natalia for, and we during the match of the show. We missed it. No, no, when she won. No, I listened to it. We we can hear the match. You're lucky that when we were out, you were the one who were buying me the beers. Yeah. No, this is the part where you knocked into me and I spilled half my beer on myself. You, you, you need to get a better hold of yourself. Come on, kid. On to the Raw card. Yeah, let's For move. Monday Night Raw. Wait, we're done with SummerSlam? No, we're done with the SmackDown card oh, okay. of SummerSlam. Right, there are many on. more matches. Remember? You were chanting. This was one of your chants, actually. You were chanting. There's four more hours left. Oh, yeah. No. There's three yes. more hours left. I was doing left. the countdown because... There's two more hours left. My argument was... <laughs> 
sitting at home during WrestleMania, I was just like, how are you guys in the crowd doing this? I was like, I can't even watch <laughs> baseball matches this long. And I'm, I don't you think know, they have baseball matches, but go ahead. Base, games. 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 Okay. I I'm can't not a watch... big sports person, but I think they, yeah, they don't my... call them matches. Okay. So I don't watch baseball games this long, let alone am I going to watch something that I actually like uh, for four hours. So I was just like dreading the moment. But you know what? Alcohol is my friend. That's all I got to say. Uh, the Raw card, we kind of did the same. We got two wrong. Um, so let's go through the winners first. Mm-hmm. We predicted that Finn Balor, the demon men will come out and defeat Bray Wyatt. Uh, we predicted, which was a shitty ending to this match, we predicted that Big Cass was going to win over the Big Show. Oh. oh shitty, Matt. I was like, okay, bro. Like, you don't need to lube yourself. Why do I need to see you lube? Like, there's no reason to lube you. I didn't even know he was lubing himself. We predicted that there would be a new Cruiserweight champion in Neville. He would get back his title. I think there was just a lot of hype with um, with the Titus brand winning it from uh, Neville. And, and I say the Titus brand because it is like a little faction that they're building. Mm-hmm. I think it is the Titus brand that's winning these titles and I love it. Um, we predicted that would be new tag team champions in Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. And here's where we got it wrong. We predicted that Alexa Bliss will retain the title against Sasha Banks. Mm. I'm a Sasha. I've been a Sasha Banks fan since she. It doesn't came matter out. if you're a fan or not. It's all about predictions. And if we yeah. put money that it was going to be Alexa Bliss because she's had a long run, we finally thought that the E was going to finish the bullshit of playing hot potato with the women's championship. I just hope that now, if Sasha is the winner, that she holds it for a while and it's not going to go back to Alexa Bliss on Monday Night Raw in two weeks. Well, just for the record, maybe I'm getting my foot shot here, but did they book No Mercy yet? Well, then I, we'll, we'll find out how they're booking. Most likely. I I think it's a rematch. Yeah, I was about to say, usually half of No Mercy bookings or pay-per-views after a big pay-per-view are rematches. So is it SummerSlam part two? Almost almost (laughs) every big pay-per-view is is a part two. Okay. No, I completely, yeah. yeah. And finally, which what I would consider the highlight of SummerSlam, which the fact that a main event is so hot to have people go through, what, four and a half hours of, of... Good matches, yeah. not not horrible. It was it was a good pay per view, but then finish off with this match, which was for the universal title, Samoa Joe. It was Braun Strowman, Barack Lesnar, and uh, Roman Reigns. No, they that they was killed great. it. Great booking. I didn't feel uncomfortable standing the entire night. The whole crowd was standing. Yeah. It was like, amazing. You know what I'm saying? There's some main events where he's like, oh, really? I got to stand for this? Like, I was like enthralled. Halfway through the match, yeah. I was like, holy shit, I'm still standing and I love every moment mm-hmm. of it. This is freaking but you awesome. Know, you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about then. Where you are standing and you're just like, can I sit down yet? <laughs> <laughs> like, please let me sit down. Yeah. Like, it's not that great. I'll say one thing because I thought about in the way here about that match, and I'm not taking it away from Brock Lesnar or Braun Strowman, but the the spot of throwing the table on Brock, I was like, I said to myself, I'm not uh, a strong like Brock Lesnar, but I could take that bump. I thought I thought that bump wasn't like a big table bump. Yeah. Throwing, the no, table fell the, on you? Throwing the table on me, I can take that bump. That's okay. not that's not a wow bump. Like to me, a, a huge bump is like when you get one of those like super kicks to the face. That that's a bigger bump. I think the good thing about Strowman is that there's always something incredible about him that he does. Whether he's launching a chair into Roman Reigns' face, he's launching Roman Reigns into an ambulance, I'll, or he's pulling a pushing up a big 
announce their table and just dropping it on the Universal Champion Brock Lesnar. See, see, exactly. That's what it's just like a table, a table shot. I think because it's it's Brock Lesnar, they had to give him a great looking bump, but a mm-hmm. safe bump. That's all I'm mm. trying to say. That's all I'm trying. So I'm not. They're, I'm, they're giving an MMA fighter, mm-hmm. someone who has fought in the octagon, a safe bump. That's yes. what you're telling him. Yes, you're saying that Brock Lesnar is a pussy yeah. <laughs> and he can't take a real bump. No, no, no. I've seen him take real bump. Like I've seen him take a couple of chair shots here and there, but. I'm just saying that was not like a hard-hitting bump. That's gotcha. all. Well, those were your winners and losers from SummerSlam. Oh, wait a second. There's one more big winner and big loser from SummerSlam. And um, the big winner from SummerSlam is your boy, the Green Man, right here. Because his friend, uh, Mr. Moneybanks, got him a chair from the event at the oh. end of the show. Oh, that was great. freaking awesome. Yeah, that was great. You disappeared on me. I look up, I look down, you're gone. This dude, Mr. Moneybanks, previous co-host of A Shot of Wrestling, literally is yelling at the top of his lungs from ringside, Green Man, Green Man. And I turn around, I'm like, who the freak is this? I walk back down and he's like, he just passed me a chair and he's like, just just don't turn back and keep on walking. And I literally followed instructions. That's exactly what I did. Um, So I'm the big winner of SummerSlam, but I'm also the big loser. Um, When we started the evening we met up with a few friends of ours from a shot of wrestling i was gonna literally as you said big winner i was just gonna ask you about the boulevard bullies oh boy are you about to bring i am i have to bring up the boulevard bullies because the boulevard bullies made the green man be the biggest loser from SummerSlam. oh my okay we were steve bully was discussing he was literally breaking down this solar eclipse that was about to happen or it had happened already i can't even remember um it probably had happened it, it happened that day no because it was going to happen the next day was the next day okay yeah raw day mm-hmm. um so he was explaining green man this is what you got to do you got to wear these glasses the the moon is going to happen it's going to come in front of the sun it's going to be crazy there's going to be an apocalypse and he got really passionate about it and i completely and, understand it, it could have been the end of the world and for the record i think none of you knew what you were talking about Absolutely not. But there's one thing I did know. I did know how to give some sweet chin music to someone. So you thought. (laughs) You're right. So I thought. Apparently my pants... My jeans, it may have been a little bit too tight. And I accidentally missed miss Steve the Bully's face, but I caught his phone. Just so you know, the phone was a good six feet away from him. So. Okay. I blame it on Mike the Bully because he needed to hold that phone a little bit stronger. He needed to have like a vice grip on it. Like this is your technology. This is what you record your shit on. This is why you have so many followers and so many people tuning into your shit because you're able to produce great content. If you don't have the equipment, you can't produce great content so mike the bully i blame you well i also blame myself because i went to use the bathroom and as your intern i'm supposed to take like those cia shots like you should have been there i'm supposed to be your bodyguard like i'm like oh no quick jump in (laughs) jump over the scenario you know and um yeah sweet chin sweet and that let me just say did you see the the phone by the way i super kicked the phone the phone fell and shattered into million, million. that screen was so cracked. I thought I thought he had a cracked screen, and he was like, <laughs> "That just happened." Unless they're pulling the wool over my eyes, I already got the bill. I'm the biggest loser of SummerSlam. I I, I have to go uh, sell blood, give my sperm away to make some money to make ends meet, just so I could pay for Boulevard Bully Steve's phone to get repaired. It's expensive. Uh, Apple Care is, is a it's a bunch of shit because why have insurance if if that shit doesn't cover your phone? getting crap because that shit happens to everybody it's a fucking scam by apple it's a few i have an android i've had this android for a year nothing has i've dropped it nothing has happened to my android apple it's scum it's 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 scum of the world but 
I just want to end by saying it was an amazing spot. I don't know if it was worth breaking a iPhone spot. I don't. I don't know how over it is on the Boulevard Bullies I don't know. channel. Well, we're gonna I, have I, to I see. I hope it is because my my face, which probably was not seen, I literally looked like I thought I saw a deer get hit by a car. Well, Jeff, we've gotten to the very important part of the show, the part where we're gonna just open up another beer. Oh, that was a good sound. Oh, that was so good. We're going to lay back and we're going to talk to the green machine, Mike Orlando. and gentlemen a shot of wrestling proudly brings to you the bcw champion mike orlando what's up everybody it's good to be here first and foremost congratulations because we've been following this tournament with bcw that's recombination wrestling we've said it before like you're the man in bcw but now you're official you have the strap that says you are the man at bcw that's what it says. That's pretty much <laughs> it, man. I got, I got something that says I'm relevant now. So, How does it feel now being the inaugural champion for, for this organization? It was it was a fun ride. I mean, it's been a long time coming with us getting started and having a rough start and slowly picking up the pace. And uh, it kind of feels like a good feeling to kind of culminate and have uh, an opportunity in New York for everything to kind of take off for us. And uh, it was a good to- you know tournament to get going and to see everybody come out and kind of follow everything and see the stories we were telling that was uh, pretty interesting because New York was a hard time you know, paying attention with all the uh, independent wrestling going on. So it was a good time to, to be behind a company that believed in me and to uh, be able to have fans that believe in us and everything we were doing. A little tournament to say the least. You know, had some really big names out there you know, to start and get guys like Joe Gacy in there and Asriel, myself, Darius Carter and all, all people that like you know belong in that picture. So it's, uh, I feel was uh, an interesting you tell me as a fan what did you think did you think it was a good story put together absolutely definitely believed in in that last match um what you guys were putting together and i love how the roster of friends that uh really came out to support you and, and try to try to get you to really make that decision like could you really pull through felt like it was like your initiation into becoming the man right that was uh that's exactly what we were trying to show everybody you know and uh that's life you know what i mean and, and that sounds, might sound corny to some people but in life you get your ass whooped and it's kind of just like telling the story of what you got to do in life in any you know, circumstance and the, and the friends coming in you know which was really cool uh not to get off of i guess kayfabe or anything uh, a lot of them believed in the moment some people didn't really know what was going on if asriel was really kicking the living shit out of me <laughs> i got pretty messed up for a couple weeks after that so it was uh something for i guess the people's eye to wonder what what comes next i guess with that because there, there was definitely some words exchanged with okay. him and i afterwards and and uh beforehand as well well indulge so, i mean are you guys just not on the on the best friends page uh i 
I, I think we have an immense amount of respect for each other, but we have different views of respect. I think it's a view of, okay, this kid is somebody from him that I have to respect. And I think to me, it's like, okay, I respect where this guy and where he's came from and, you know, what he's done in the last 17 years and kind of turns into now uh, he owes me respect that he doesn't give me, I feel like. And uh, that's, you know, on a personal level, I've always done the right things by him when I started out. I drove him around places he needed to go and, you know, I drove him home from shows and I didn't even live in New York yet. And just to uh, have an idea that he didn't want to really uh, be in any situation with me, uh, we kind of all uh, felt each other kicking each other a little bit harder than usual. And that's uh, kind of turned into what you saw. I'm interested in seeing where that goes because if it happens again, I don't, I don't think some of my kicks will be as light as they were. Start. <laughs> yeah, we'll they were brutal. What, yeah, we'll see what happens because uh, that that left me in a little bit of distress, and that's some real stuff. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand. Uh, you were following a shot of wrestling. We actually posted some videos of those heavy kicks where you felt every kick that you you took, and you took it like a man, like a champ. You were mentioning a little bit about the obstacles. What has been the hardest obstacle that you've come across in this journey? of becoming a professional wrestler. Uh, in general, just the hardest obstacle in general that I've learned. The, the, the game, just playing the game has been the hardest obstacle of uh, when to step up and kind of put your one foot forward and stand up for yourself and when it's time to kind of shut your mouth and stand to the side and let things go and try to learn a little bit more than you're speaking. And I feel like that's the, the hardest part in this whole journey because uh, with wrestling being an entertainment sport, being what it is, there are certain opinions that will differ from person to person and they'll differ from mild to wild. And like, uh, you don't want to cross anybody, but you don't want to seem like a bitch to, you know, anybody else. Yeah. So it's a, the even medium is kind of a, a hard game to play. And I feel like in professional wrestling to come from the football field and go from the NF uh, NCAA into the NFL and then to come back down to, you know, not down, but to come up to independent wrestling. Um, it was a hard thing for me to understand, hey, I put my hand in the dirt and I knock people back for a living and that's how I get my spot. And now mm -hmm. I come to wrestling and it's like, I can't just put my hand in the dirt and knock somebody back for a spot anymore. You know what I mean? So it's kind of the game of learning where all of this sport and where the business kind of lies. You've been an athlete for most of your life, but for those who haven't heard the story, you know, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing to get you to the level that you are now yeah i uh, played football all of high school i wrestled in high school and then uh went on to college and played for five years in college i was an ncaa champion and uh two times from there to semi-pro which eventually led right into an option with the nfl for the oakland raiders and i never watched football in my entire life like, i've never watched a full football game I've never cared about football, never will care about football. Um, I respect it like I respect anything else. And I played it my entire life, so I respect it. But it was uh, a way to help pay for school and uh, a way to get me in shape and the best possible athletic shape to be a wrestler. Because that was always my dream. Yeah. And uh, wrestling is something that you have to put your entire mind into to be successful. And that's with anything. And that's football, too. So when I got to that level, which would be even collegiate, and uh, it took up my entire life. And I had to then go to a higher level, which is professional football. And those guys lived in dreamt and slept and believed in football 24-7 the way I did in wrestling. And it just was not my world. And 
was not somewhere for me to be. So I kind of, uh, I was wrestling at the same time, but uh, I kind of put all my marbles into wrestling and just stepped out of the, the football limelight and stepped away from it and put that behind me and put everything into wrestling. And that's where I've been at for the last three years now. Uh, not even three. It's been about two and a half years since I've completely put football behind me. And um, that's been the best decision I've made career-wise and body-wise and health-wise and mental-wise. It's good. It was a good thing. But yeah, I was an athlete my entire life, but I've never watched a real sport other than wrestling, which is the only real sport that I know. So. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's Jeff, the intern. I just want to know, uh, so you said after football, you got into wrestling. So what would, uh, who trained you or where did the first wrestling ring did you run into? Uh, well, I actually was wrestling while I was playing football in college, too. Um, it was always my dream, so I was doing that at the same time. I just didn't commit to it. I was like a weekend warrior. I wrestled like once a month. At, uh, I started old-time wrestling in South Jersey at Paul's, uh, no, not Paul's, but uh, Williamstown. And um, I was trained under Jim Molinow, a former ECW uh, official, and he had a group of people training us and went from there to John Trotsky of the Sanctuary and then to Danny Cage of the Monster Factory and kind of had everything tuned up for me. And that was Danny didn't come until I put football completely behind me, which is kind of where you said uh, where I picked it up and completely went full force with wrestling. I that's when I contacted the Monster Factory and reached out to Danny and had him kind of put me in the best shape of my life, which led to a tryout with the WWE and all that. So I would say those three people are the top people that taught me, you know, most of everything at this point in my career. There's a lot of miles that get put into wrestling, and we hear a little static in the background. So it might be a good time to let our listeners know that you're actually on. A, a trip you're heading down yes. to uh, a show two shows yeah i'm in the car driving to florida i have a show tomorrow for manor pro wrestling i don't know if you guys have heard about that but uh if i got this correctly i believe it's on the food network um, really what it is, yeah. What it is is apparently like a five course like dinner for like these rich people or, or, or something, I guess. And they they're unaware that they're going to a wrestling show or some sort, and uh, they get to this dinner, which is supposed to be like suit and tie type. I guess dinner, and they come in, and there's a wrestling show going on in the middle of their dinner. And That's I guess awesome. they record they record all the reactions <laughs> of the people and see what happens. And uh, somehow, some way, I got linked into that. I believe that's what I'm understanding. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. So uh, that's that. And then on Saturday, I have Ronin Pro Wrestling, and that's in uh, Fort Lauderdale. That's against Alice Chamberlain. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Of him. Yeah, he's really, really talented. <laughs> um, and that's really, really going to be a great show, from what I've been told. So I'm excited for that and then uh yeah on the way home hopefully we find uh we have a couple options i don't want to throw anybody out there yet but uh, we might just head straight home it depends how we feel it's a long trip from new york all the way to florida what is it 24 oh, yeah. hours it's and a full you gotta remember I'm a, I'm a jersey guy man i'm on the beaches in jersey so when you see me in new york i'm two hours away from home to start yeah. well i was gonna say yeah. you're basically traveling 1200 miles to pull a rib on some people so <laughs> oh, yeah absolutely <laughs> so isn't wrestling isn't wrestling the dumbest thing in the world when that's you really awesome. think about it like are you gonna be fed at least are oh, you, yeah. That's, you... <laughs> that's the first thing I asked the dude, man. I promise you. After he told us the details, I was like, all right, well, listen, like, it's a five-course meal. Do I get some of that? Like, I want a five-course meal, too. Oh, fucking like, yeah. what is a five-course meal? I don't even know what that is. Like, I'm in college eating ramen noodles, too. So, like, <laughs> five-course meal is, like, I don't know, soup. Does that count as a course? I'm going to bring something up because in an exclusive Shot of Wrestling interview with the Man of Steel, Mike Verna, he included you in what he called – the New York Wrecking Crew. Now, we know there's already a New York Wrecking Crew, so I kind of renamed you guys to the NYC Click, uh, okay. which includes okay. Mike Verna, MJF, and Mike Orlando. 
we thought it was pretty cool. He was thinking of three guys who could come together and really dominate the East Coast division of professional wrestling. Now, with any good clicks, you think about DX, you think about NWO, Four Horsemen, there's, it's strength in numbers. Is there any other names that you want to throw into this click? Oh, absolutely. Um, I run a, a group that I have going called Federated. I don't know if you guys follow. Uh, tier uh, 1 Wrestling, Federated. right? Yes, sir. And Federated is basically uh, people that I've met on the road and in life that have very similar aspirations as me and very difficult roads to get to those aspirations, whether it be just the wrong place, the wrong time, injury at the right time you know what i mean just something mm-hmm. that put them in a, a bad situation but deserves so much more than they're getting i'm gonna put anthony bennett in that group of me like and i'm even gonna guess uh i'm gonna put joe gate in nice. that group known him for years and him and i never really spoke until i guess uh that one night that we uh where i went a little ballistic yeah. and uh we kind of were talking and really he's completely taking over again and I say again because this isn't the first time he's done it the, what does that make five of us the five of us are like incredible it. so that, those are my picks right there and I think you guys all each individually have the personalities and definitely the credentials you have Bennett he faced Tony Nese in the uh, Cruiserweight Classic yeah with one so, leg, with one leg, man. So, yeah, he had torn, basically torn his, I guess, what was it, knee? I don't know. He basically dislocated. dislocated his knee about two nights before the Cruiserweight Classic. He had one leg the entire match. Shit, man. So, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy experience for him. You know, he couldn't even walk before the match. And meanwhile, went out there and had, what, 15 minutes he you guys went? Yeah. And it was matches like that that he put out there, um, you know, that really got that off for fans that it really got them invested in the cruiserweight division that's there now one of the things i've always talked about in the show is that wrestling brings people together are there any mentors that you've had along your way yeah absolutely i've met a lot of uh quote-unquote famous people as they like to be called and (laughs) it's been like uh, moments where they're not so famous people that we've learned the most from them and it's me and Ant again and Cody Vance and the Pops Factory guy we took a plane one day and we went out to Georgia before uh, Joey Matthews Joey Mercury's had came to Maryland he had a place in Georgia running with Luke Gallows and these guys had a seminar for two days for like 40 bucks man it was like dirt cheap and we're talking and this was like I don't know six months ago so we went down there and like the connections you make and opportunities like that where so many people around you are like hey man what, the, what are you doing going over to Georgia on a plane and losing all this money and then spending 40 bucks and buying a hotel and all this crap the things you learn from people when you're least expecting it are the best things on the road like so the mentors that you can kind of break through to the people you can get respect from that are in better places than you are they leave an impact on you the most so we kind of went down there and when we got there we were expecting like uh, to be treated like everybody else and we should have been because we're not anything special but uh they kind of treated us above and beyond it was like hey you guys really just came here from new jersey on a plane like hey let's give you some more advice i'll tell absolutely <laughs> um what are your passions outside of wrestling <clears throat> what else do you like to do i'm a i'm a nerd man i'm a comic book nerd i read my comic books um i'm a video game nerd I play my video games if I ever have time for it anymore do you have a favorite video game because I, I i'm a fan of the classic n64 007 golden oh absolutely that, that's absolutely. top one for me yeah i love it i mean I, I have uh you know the xbox one now and i'm playing all the games i just bought like watchdogs 2 or whatever like that's an older game but it was on sale i'm weird man i'm like the kind of guy that likes to play like the the games that like are really <clears throat> video game-ish do you have like a sense. 2k17 a wwe 2k17 or a wrestling game 
I have it. I hate playing it. I don't, really? I don't know what it is. Yeah, I want it to be like the older ones, and I guess they're just not. All right. Well, I just have a few questions because uh, I didn't have an opportunity. You were earlier talking about uh, your opportunities with the WWE, and at the moment, they were not interested in you. What type of advancements are you doing right now to get those opportunities given back to you again? Are you thinking about going to like Japan or going to... Uh, other territories outside the United States to get more noticeability? I have been in talks with trying to get out of the country. With uh, Actually, you talk about mentors, you know, someone that's kind of given me some help, thankfully, is uh, Luke Gallows. Mm. You know, Gallows has been somebody that's been on my side, thankfully. And I've reached out to him, and he and I are hopefully working on something, hopefully soon, that could work out in my favor, and uh, that would get me outside the country. I've been recently exploring Canada and trying to get to Europe a little bit more. That might happen come fall if Japan isn't something I'm working on. But the thing I've learned is this. Uh, we can go around the entire world and we can get our exposure up, as they call it, mm-hmm. and everybody learns who you are. Or you could kind of take over little area by little area. I've learned the WWE, they tell people no, and I'm not going to throw any names out there, but those people disappear when they are told no. And then there's people that are told, like, hey, you need to work on X, Y, and Z. And I'm not really one, and I'm not afraid to hide what I'm told. I wasn't really told to work on X, Y, and Z. I was kind of told to fix situations and make things better for myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel I'm doing that as best as I could right now in the best possible way I possibly could. And I'm making, uh, you know, uh, my name be known to everyone, not just in this area. Now, I'm every month traveling to different states that I've never been in, different promotions that I've never been in, and kind of making the WWE realize that, uh, not, and I say WWE, I don't mean just the WWE, I mean any major company on TV, let's say yeah just kind of let uh any of them know that i'm here and i'm doing this with or without you if that makes sense and uh i'm gonna so i want to do it with you and then without you if that, again so i try to make the most possible money in a visible sense and uh branding in a visible sense for someone to look at where i'm profitable for them other than just wrestling so if i could do that more until i leave for japan or until i leave for anywhere like europe or uh, go to germany any of these places um, I want to try to be the best possible asset. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like a plus one. Like, oh, thank you for taking Mike. Here's Mike. You know, do something with him. I'd rather be like, hey, we want Mike here. You know, so that's why I'm working on the, the local and then kind of breaking into the outside of here. How important are people skills when you're outside doing not wrestling, when you're trying to do networking? How important is everything, that? Everything, yeah. man. It's my best, my best feature, in my opinion, is my people skills. It's That is the most important thing, though, because... You meet so many people that judge you the second they meet you. And it's so hard to get a first opinion to change, you know. And I've learned the more and more you give somebody exactly what they're yearning for, the happier they're going to be. And I took psychology in college. Now I'm actually finishing up my master's right now. And uh, I've always studied people. I studied the criminal mind. I've studied everything. And I've always wondered why people act a certain way. And I feel like the more and more you learn about people, the less and less you try to judge people, the better people skills you have. I don't go up to Green Man and go, oh, my God, look at this guy with green hair painting himself <laughs> at a show. Like, get this loser away from me. He's psychotic. I don't want to be anywhere near him. Like, But green is your favorite color. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> but, you know, but the typical New Jersey kid from the beach is like, oh, mom said stay away from people like that. This is New York. you got to run from these dudes. You know, but to me, it's like, okay, I want to know why that guy does this. I wanted that. I wanted this. 
And then you learn, it's like, hey, I run a podcast. Okay, hey, I want to be on the podcast. Let's talk. But for all I know, Green Man could be a, a distant relative of Vince McMahon. And now, all of a sudden, Vince McMahon listens to, you know, his, his distant relative's podcast and hears me talking. And there's a little connection I made. But I would have never had that if I didn't have the people skills to get it to begin with. So I feel like the people skills, if you don't know how to talk to everybody, then you can't talk to anybody. Because everybody has an opinion and everybody has a view. And you have to work with it because they're gonna they're entitled to that. So someone could look at you and be like, hey, man, F you. And you have to be like, okay, no problem. Let's talk about that. And it sucks. I hate it. I'm the worst person to be the one talking about this. You know what I mean? I, my, my people's skills are great, but I have a temper like everybody else. But it, it's kind of you have to work with everybody. So I would say if you're going to be in the entertainment business, your people's skills are a priority. Well said. Well said. Now, you're traveling through North Carolina right now, making your way to Florida. Yeah. If, if you weren't doing this interview, what would you guys be talking about? Well, we did a Facebook Live a little while ago. and That was kind of interesting. We had some people tuning in and out to that and asking us, I guess, in a live Q&A. Had that going, which was interesting. But uh I think right now they have we have Kid Christian in the car who just turned 18 years old, okay, and um, great, great guy. He's working his butt off, uh, looking for opportunities everywhere, and he's getting them. And then you have me and Bennett. Now, me and Bennett are your, uh, we're real life friends, if you want to call it real Mm -hmm. life, but where we go out, you know, the real Mike Orlando and the real Aunt Bennett, and he knows exactly who I am. I don't think Kid Christian has any idea what he got himself into yet, (laughs) and uh, that's kind of... I, I am being honest. Is the kid driving? Idea. Uh, he will be. He will be. Oh. I did the beginning because I rented the car. So it's the whole like, oh, you have to be the driver gimmick. Right. So, you know, I hit the road and, and then, you know, I'm driving now. But he's he's really uh, an awesome guy. You know, he's very willing to be uh, a help to anybody. But I don't think he has anything to do what he got himself into. Now we're out here for two days. He, he brought his girlfriend with him. So he's uh, he's got himself back there in a good mood to go wrestle until me and Bennett are a couple drinks in later. He might need to pay his dues. A little initiation yeah, on the road trip you could yeah of course of course yeah. <laughs> we, we we have some stories you know me and bennett especially that uh are out of this world and i think christian you know you know what uh, do i have like two minutes to tell you a Go wild story Please. okay this kid okay this kid tells me a story a little while ago okay he's only been in the business i don't know what two years two, two okay two years. i've never had a story like this in my life all right and and we're in the car he's like yeah bennett whips his head around and goes did you tell Mike, how you almost killed us the other day, or, or killed them the other day. I'm sorry, and I'm like, who? What happened? He's like, oh no, I didn't tell him. Oh, so we went to go to get gas at the gas station, and you had to go inside and pay. He's like, so I'm sitting in the car, and a guy comes up to the window, and I'm the only one in the car, and he says, hey man, where are you guys going? And he says, what? Uh, Chicago? Why? And the guy goes, do you mind if I come with you? <laughs> so, Chris. <laughs> So Christian says, uh, I'm not the one driving. You have to ask the driver. So he says, okay, where is he? He says he's in the store. He's coming out. So it was him, his, you know, private party. I think you guys know yeah, that. Yeah. And Mike Dell. Okay. So Mike Dell's the driver. Private party comes out. And my man goes up to private party and says, hey, guys, you're going to Chicago? And they're like, dude, <laughs> how the hell do you know we're going to Chicago? And he says, oh, I was talking to your man over there. And he said that, you know, it wouldn't be a, ba- uh, a problem if I came to Chicago. Oh, no really? Guys. So he's like, oh, well, we're not the driver. So you can can't ask us you have to ask the driver so here comes my man surfer mike dell uh, and he walks out and they say to mike dell hey mike uh, this guy wants to ask you something my man says hey you know the whole gimmick you know 
blah, 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 blah. My dust is okay. Holy shit. Okay. So he says, okay, because this guy's going to give him gas money. The guy gets in the car. They squeeze wow. in this damn thing. All right. He says, I'm only exit 16 on the next exit up on the right. They said, okay. He says, yeah, man, I just got out of prison. Oh, my God. All right. So they're all like legally or like did he just yes. escape? Oh, oh <laughs> I have no idea considering his jumpsuit and his sneakers were still in his hand apparently. Shit. Okay. <laughs> So his jumpsuit and his sneakers are in his head. Okay. So now all of a sudden, after he says he just got out of prison and he has, he's on parole or whatever it was, they're all dead quiet in the car. And Mike Dell says, listen, man, I got to be honest. I feel really awkward. I got to give you your money you. back. You have to get out of the car. So the guy gets out of the car and they drive away and there's no exit 16 and oh. there's no anything anyway. So this guy was about to cut each and every one of their balls off Shit. and kill each one of them. And, and, and take all their merch money and go home with it. Okay? And and this story to me, I almost drove this car off the side of the road because wow. I didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. You got to keep your eyes on the kid. They, you let know? His, they let a man with prison clothes and construction boots, his prison sneakers, in the car. Please. We don't do that in Queens. No. <laughs> what do you mean? Man, he just thought he was no. really stylish, you know? Oh, it, God almighty, man. And that's, you know, that's some, that's that story. I went with Shaheem Ali of Ring of Honor to North Carolina about a month ago. And we got put into, like, one of those houses, like you stay in, like those, uh, like, um, I don't know, bed and breakfasts or whatever they are. Like Airbnb. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was supposed to stay there from the 4th of July to the weekend. And that was a Tuesday to a Saturday. And the deal was an X amount of money a day to keep us there. And that he was paying for our living and our, our everything out there. So we got there for the 4th of July. And I had to bring my dog, which I told my man that my dog had to come. Hey, my, my dog is a chihuahua. And he's the coolest chihuahua in the world. And I just bring him all the time when I go on farm and road trips. It makes it easier. Cool. And uh, he was like, yeah, no problem. I got you a hotel that allows dogs. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I get to this hotel address when I get there. And it's a house. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Now I go into this house. This is going to, I'm going to make this story really quick because of that last one but i go into this house man all right and it's a lady and it's mr promoter man and it's his mother's house and i'm like okay what the what is going on like why am i at your mother's house oh no dogs <laughs> no dogs in my house the first words this lady says <sighs> Now, I'm 12 hours away from my home, and I have my dog, and this is what she says. I didn't even know I was staying in this house. So now she says, uh, no dogs in my house. So I'm like, okay, now what are we going to do? So uh, Mr. Promoter Man, I'm not going to say the promotion, but uh, Mr. Promoter Man says, okay, uh, we're going to put you in a, another house down the road. No issues. It's a mansion. Nobody's home. Okay, cool. No problem. Again, why I don't have a hotel? <laughs> and why I don't fight for a hotel? I should be shot. Hell yeah. Head. So uh, we go down the road to this place, and uh, make a long story. Story short, it was a Hills Have Eyes experience. Uh, Holy we stayed shit. on the 4th of July. Yeah, there was a man chained to the wall. Stop. And he growled. He could not speak. He only growled. And he looked like Uncle Fester. He just went, ah, blah, 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 blah. Wow. Put Shaheem Ali on this thing. He will tell you the same thing. Okay, so the lady looks at us and says, yeah, about a month and a half ago, my husband left me after we got busted for having a meth lab here. Holy shit. I said, okay, cool. I'm about to blow my freaking brains out in the middle of North Carolina because how did I get put into this? 
So I was ready to leave, and uh, Mr. Promoter Man would not give us our money until each day we stayed instead of giving it to us in advance. So now I'm all the way 12 hours into North Carolina, and I only made my first day of pay from the first day I got there, and I'm going to lose money at this point going home. So I'm trying to hold out to try to get at least two more days of pay to make something beneficial out of this and go home. Needless to say, we never made it another two days. Uh, we woke up in the middle of the night, and Uncle Fester was eating Shaheem Ali's <laughs> <laughs> um, Miracle Whip out of the can, or was it Cool Whip? Like, you know, the, he bought a, a can of Cool Whip because that's what Shaheem Ali does on the road. Right. And Who bought, doesn't? Uh, yeah, and Who he doesn't? eats it out of the can. So he wakes up and Uncle Fresh is off his chains and he's eating the Cool Whip in his mouth. Uh, I was in my room and the room proceeded to get locked up in padlocks on the outside of the room. Uh, like a lawn fence padlock, like on my outside of my door. So I got locked in the room, which uh, caused me to break down the door, Jesus obviously. Christ. And uh, then there was a, a ceiling hole with a human being in the ceiling hole that was padlock closed. And uh, he lived in that house. Dude, I'm not even kidding. You can't make us up with Shaheem on this thing. So eventually, after uh, the second day, I went to leave. So we let the lady know we were going to be leaving because, you know, she's a meth head and she probably would kill us on the way out. I'm surprised you so, stayed that long. Oh, oh it was horrible, <laughs> man. I just wanted my second day of pay and I just got out of there and we were leaving. We barely spent any time there. It was just basically touching down. And I had my dog with me the entire time, so it made it a nuisance. Mm-hmm. And um, they, her son decides to show up. Now, this kid was like 20 years old, man. And he just, he had a Goldberg tattoo on his arm. Okay. <laughs> and when I said to him, dude, I'm going to crash this car laughing. I said to him, nice Goldberg tattoo. He says, yeah, it's for my dad. Oh, shit. <laughs> I said, okay, cool. It's a Goldberg tattoo. I love wrestling. I love Goldberg. He goes, oh, you know what this means? I said, well, I'm a wrestler, so I would hope yeah. that I know what the Goldberg tattoo means. He says, oh, yeah, I don't know what it means. My dad liked it. So this is what I was dealing with. Then he proceeded, Megan, uh, Ali Rex was with us. He proceeded to go up to her and tell her that if he was a manager of a store, that he would tell everybody else what to do and sit in the back with his hands in his pants because he worked all day in his entire life to be a manager so he wouldn't do anything and that is how he approached her to introduce himself there so i knew my hands were really full with this guy so we were uh we attempted to leave until we found all of our gear was locked into uh mother hilda's car oh my god when she yeah dude it was one of those stories man uh, dude you can't make it up man on chains um kid in the ceiling kid finally came out went up to somebody and talked about keeping his hands in his pants uh dude there you go that's wrestling wrestling in a nutshell well all i know is this house was on airbnb i know not to book it oh dude i will i will send out whatever the address was until the world can find out i was gonna do an entire live video about this entire event but i finally sat down and calmed down and thought about it and said i'm not gonna do it because like screw him and he doesn't even deserve the exposure no so i'm just i'm just done i'm just gonna pretend it never happened shaheem's on tv like i don't even mean that funny like He's a Ring of Honor guy. He's on TV all the time. Just wrestling the Young Bucks with Geo. Like, he doesn't deserve that treatment. I'm surprised he didn't go off online and make a big deal about it. I'm so glad but, you guys survived. You know? Yeah, man. He almost did it, bro, because they, they were definitely not very fond of his time. So uh, he was very offended. Yeah, man. He was very offended at, at the way he was being talked to and treated. So he was very angry. Well, that's it. We're on the road right now heading to Florida. I feel like I'm part of the car now. You know, I, oh, I yeah. still think the kid needs to drive. You know, and not talk yeah, to strangers. He, he needs to learn the number one lesson that you learn as a little kid. Don't talk to strangers. And don't pick up hitchhikers. <laughs> he needs to drive and learn not to talk to strangers. All right. <laughs>
And that's it. Michael Lando, thank you so much for your time. The stories, the road stories. Um, I, I really hope you guys make it safe and sound to Absolutely. Florida, to your events. Um, and you make it right back to New York because this is this is your home. This is where we like to see you. If anybody wanted to follow you, where could they do that? You can follow me at the Big Orlando on Twitter and Instagram. Help me, Twitter, by tweeting at me <laughs> and helping me do this. And then go to Facebook.com slash Elite Orlando or ProResidentTees.com slash Elite and if you want to see more of the BCW champion, you could check him out on September 23rd when Brie Combination Wrestling presents Fight For It. And that's going to be coming to you from the world-famous Elks Lodge. That's 8220 Queens Boulevard in Elmhurst, Queens, New York. It's In the News with Michael J. Putty and the Green Man. And Jeff, the insert. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't try to insert your, yourself into every single segment here, all right? <laughs> Go get me another beer or something. Actually, you know what? Stick around for this because this is going to be real quick. There's Good. not that much news going on this week, but mm. here we go. Um, there is injuries, intern Jeff, that we need to talk about. Asuka got injured at MXT TakeOver 3 in Brooklyn. Um, she injured her collarbone. She was able to complete the match. She retained the title, but uh, doctors examined her, and she is going to be out for uh, quite a bit. I believe a collarbone injury is anywhere from six to eight weeks. Um, any thoughts about Asuka and well, her injuries? Before we continue all these things, just to clarify, I am a main roster mark. I don't watch SmackDown. I only watch Raw. I've been watching Raw since 1993 when it debuted at the Manhattan Center. So you talk about this NXT stuff, all these other things. I am completely lost. All right. Well, let me tell you the importance about this because Asuka is a big deal for NXT. Right now, the WWE has raided what I call raided the NXT locker room and has left them with not that m much star power. And Asuka, um, you're you're an old school guy, right? You remember Goldberg? Do you know Goldberg? Does that I mean, name sound familiar? I think I think so. I yep. think he was like this guy. All right, continue. Yeah, he was this guy who went on this undefeated streak for. WCW, and that's how he got over. They're playing the Goldberg angle, angle with Asuka. And the fact that the main person that has been not just the face of women's wrestling for NXT, but I would say maybe the face of the company for them in some capacity because she's been the mainstay. After everybody else left a year ago after um, WrestleMania and the year before that, you know, she is still around and, and she's been champion for a really long time. She's the longest champion right now that the WWE has in, in the WWE umbrella has. Um, so I think it's going to be uh, very hard for them to lose out on not just well, a champion, but this champion. Well, just real quick, have they taken out every possible talent out of NXT? Um, not everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll go about, back to the talent that NXT still has. Um, but still talking about injuries, uh, Big Cass on Monday Night Raw. He hurt his knee, and that was not an easy thing to watch because I was there. Yeah, I was going to say, weren't you there? I was there. I saw it. Um, um, during a street fight at Monday Night Raw, Big Cass was facing Enzo Amore. Big Cass went over the top rope and fell awkwardly on his leg. Now, this was on the other side of the apron, so I really didn't get to see it. What I did see was Cass come back, and he hit Enzo, so Enzo fell. And when you see it on TV, it looks like uh, Big Cass was ready to throw the Empire elbow, and he fell. But to me, in the stands, in the view that I had, all I saw is these two guys, they fell. And I'm like, what the hell was that? Why did they both fall? It didn't make sense to me. And then I saw Big Cass 
holding his leg. And I was like, okay, what's going on? He rolls over to the apron and he's screaming, fuck, shit, you can man. Hear yeah, you could hear him. And I'm like, is this part of the match? Is this an angle that they're playing with? Then I started videotaping and then I'm like, what is really going on? It didn't get posted on a shot of wrestling because um, I'm still trying to figure out my Android. I didn't realize that I had to hold the record button to <laughs> record a video. So <laughs> I have a telephone. Yeah. So I just tap the button and I'm there holding it like a schmuck, like still above my hand, trying to get the footage. I'm like, oh, this is good. Let me turn it this way. Let me get it right in up close. And then I realized nothing recorded. But yeah, he really got injured. The the media from WWE, they covered it. They they put him on, on the WWE.com. They they took some snapshots and he, he's out, you know. Now, this is really bad because Big Cash just broke up with Enzo Amore. And he was supposed to be getting his big main card push. You know, he was supposed to be the next guy to get in that in that big picture. So where does that leave Big Cass? So here's my question to you, Jeff, the intern. As someone who likes the product, could someone who is just at the beginning of getting their push come back from an injury like this to be better? Or do you think he's going to literally be the genetic of the group and really fall off the face of the earth? Now, real real talk is the fact that Enzo is getting a lot of heat from the locker room. They're saying the biggest beef with Enzo, and I can believe this, is that he does not know his wrestling history. Yeah. So he comes around carrying his big stick and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a mouthpiece. Uh, I'm a gift of gab. But he doesn't know anything about wrestling. Like it's great that he knows how to perform as himself. But you throw history at him, he doesn't know. Big Cass, on the other hand, he respects the business a little bit more. He knows a little bit more about the history and everything. Mm-hmm. The problem is that today's wrestling is too quick. So if you're gone, it's too bad. They're going to write you off because we are in a world that we don't have the patience. Moving moving on. My argument is this. So I'll say from my perspective, real quick, is that they showed when. Cass got hurt, comes back. You can see the ref talking, ref telling telling Enzo, and then they go for home. They go home, mm-hmm. and and Cass can't drop the elbow. You know, right. so right then the match is over. And they award uh, Enzo the win. Yeah, Enzo Enzo the win, and you see Cass legitimately pissed off, and that's when you knew it wasn't a work. It was it was it was for real. And the the point I'm bringing up with is is the fact that wrestling is three hours long on Raw. They're working 300 and plus days out of the year. I think wrestlers in general are now being overworked. This isn't the 80s and the 90s where you can work 300 days and be chill. This is 2017 and you're working 300 days and you're working three hours and you're being overworked. They are ruining their wrestlers. You hear more injuries in the last two or three years ever since Raw has gone three hours Mm -hmm. than you've heard in the last like 20 years of wrestling. And again, I could be wrong, but it seems like every wrestler is getting more injured than they should be. Um, I have to disagree because Enzo working one match on a three-hour show is still the same amount of time that, of Enzo working one match in a two-hour show. Um, no, so I no. don't think they're working on any, no. any longer remember, you, or any harder. Nah. Do you remember 80s wrestling? You know, 90s wrestling? Do you remember they would have one spot the entire match? Half the time is put me in. When's I got you. Okay. Yeah, they they are working yeah. harder spots. And How? they're trying to put more spots over in their matches to mm-hmm. really put out great context so you don't yeah. see freaking beach balls hanging around. Well, yeah. whole freaking night well, to keep people entertained. But I'm just saying, how many Indian burns do you see today? Do you remember <laughs> when you would go to a, a the, wrestling match in it's the 80s? Not, yeah, the spots are not as safe anymore. <laughs> okay, I, I, that I do get. So that's and, what I'm trying to say. They're being overworked. But that's my that's my beef of why uh, Big Cass will be have a hard time to recover because of the fact everything's just moving so quick, quick, Speaking quick, of quick. things that are moving quick, in other news, we got to talk about debuts. The type of matches that have quick movement is cruiserweight matches. And Enzo Amore, who we were just talking, 
talking about just recently made his debut on 205 Live. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, Check that out. Totally not watching that. We, we've been talking for weeks that Finn Balor should be joining uh, the cruiserweight division because that will show us that the WWE invests in the cruiserweight division. To put a big name like Finn Balor, who, what is he, a buck 80, a buck 90? How much does Finn Balor weigh? Um, but they ended up putting Cass. I'll take it. You know, it's not Finn Balor, but I mean, it's Enzo. still like a big, Enzo. good name. Enzo. I'm sorry. Yeah. Enzo. Little Enzo, big Cass. Got it. Cass would just stomp on everybody. <laughs> he would just go, do, 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 do. I don't need this knee, do. <laughs> half of my body is 205. <laughs> the other half is injured. That's how I made, yes. the, that's how I made the weight. There, there you go. That's how he saves that's his relevance. It. He just goes in 205 and just acts like a big giant just stomps on everyone. Yeah, man. Um, so he made his debut. Um, other people who made their debut this week, uh, we had Bobby Root debut on SmackDown. Glorious. That's right. Mr. Glorious himself, which you um, were a little bit disappointed that they put a commercial during his match yeah i think it's his debut match on the smackdown product you shouldn't put a commercial in especially as we were watching it together and you were like ah you know it's just because they're not trying to put him up too high i'm like then why did they give him an interview right after his match why did renee pop in and interview him like so what are you telling me you're telling me he's not good enough to have a full match because you got to put a commercial on him but he's good enough to get a post-match interview like i was confused i was like what am i supposed to think of bobby Roode right now yeah well the biggest debut in my opinion from this past SummerSlam weekend has to go to Adam Cole. Okay, be familiar. You're, you're, I know Oof. you're a WWE guy, so if you're not following the indie wrestlers, you may not know who ba- who um, Adam Cole is. Ooh, Do ooh. you know who what Ring of Honor is? Ooh, New Japan ooh. Pro Wrestling? No. Ooh, ooh. Super kick parties? No. Anyway, Adam Cole finally made his debut on NXT, and everybody went nuts. I mean, NXT was already a great show as it was. In fact, the match between Gargano and uh, Cien Almas was probably the best match of the evening, and it was the first match of the night. People backstage are loving that match, and this is just a sign of they're loving that match so much that they're actually considering putting a mid-card title for NXT. So that's how great that match was, and to start that event... With that match was awesome, but then to end it with Adam Cole making his debut and super kicking the new NXT champion was amazing. Bobby Fish was there. Uh, it, it, I, it was it was awesome. On a side note, they did a little segment on uh, WWE.com where they did five things to know about Adam Cole. If you want to know more about Adam Cole, maybe you should go follow Boulevard Bullies because they had an exclusive interview with, with Adam Cole before he went to WWE. This was interesting to know. Uh, Cole's catchphrase. His catchphrase is Adam Cole, baby. That's it, the baby. That's the, his catchphrase. The, 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 the. No, no, Dusty, just the baby. And I always wonder where it came from. And they they kind of got to the root of it. So the popular saying came from to fruition uh, after he heard Jericho always exaggerated the word baby. And then former J and J security member Joey Mercury's fondness for repeating yelling out his name during during the matches on the independent scene. So it, it became Adam Cole, baby. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that Jericho. I think it was 2010. One of my top my favorite returns where he just comes to the ring and says nothing oh and he, yes that was yes. one of the best returns ever i've ever seen yeah Moving on. you were waiting to hear him say something yeah. nothing and he said I love nothing it. i loved and then well the next week wasn't as hot but the first week oh well, i watched that promo like three times four times that week well in other news jeff the intern i'm sorry to have to end it on a very somber very um not so good note um but dana brooke is not on the best of time right now uh she's mourning the loss of her boyfriend 
uh, bodybuilder Dallas McCarver. Big, huge guy. Uh, passed away this past weekend. And uh, last thing Dana Brooke posted of her boyfriend was on Monday. Man, crush Mondays. A picture of him. Hashtag MCM. Um, really sad. Uh, there was no foul play. Um, it just happened. Uh, his friends found him in, in his home. and um, Wait, was, was he a wrestler too? Uh, he was a bodybuilder. Bodybuilder. Just, just big, huge guy. And he died at the age of 26. My goodness. Yeah, young, young guy. Ran in uh, Mr. Olympia. He f- came in uh, eighth place, I believe, in the competition in Las Vegas. So a lot of prospects. A lot of It was a bright future this guy had. I feel sorry for Dana Brooke to having experienced this. Here a shot of wrestling. We wish her our condolences. I agree. Um, and that is in the news. We wrapped it up. We're good to go. Now, you've listened to the show before. You know that after the news, maybe we're going to go grab a little beer now. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about Raw and SmackDown Cheers and Heels. You ready for that, buddy? Sure. Why not? All Let's right. Go get me my beer. A shot of wrestling presents Raw and SmackDown here and here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is right. We are ready for cheers and heels for Raw and SmackDown. Now, what we do during this segment, Jeff, you've heard the show before, uh, we cheer the things that we liked. We heal the things we don't like. Okay? Mm-hmm. Very simple. Yes, boss. Now, as your Raw ambassador, I'm a big Raw is better kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I usually start this off. And since you're the intern, you shut up and I talk. Okay? What? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw was dull and I was there. Uh, so the only thing I'm going to cheer about Monday Night Raw is the match between Ambrose and Rollins versus the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I think it's the only time during Monday Night Raw where people were really invested in a match, where people were on their feet for big spots, where where they really just put on a great match. You know, it became it came down to the wrestling, and I really appreciated that. I stayed in my seat. I watched the whole thing. I was um, happy to see the Hardys when they came out. I was happy to see the new tag team champions posted on Instagram, and. Um, it was probably the highlight of Monday Night Raw, and I was there. So out of three hours, half an hour was probably the only thing I needed to be in there for. My heel is going to be the rest of the show. The rest of the show was booty. Um, it was garbage. Um, if Big Cass didn't injure himself, I think the match that he had with Enzo, the street fight, there would have been nothing notable about it. My question to you is... Oh, I get to speak. So yeah. Thank you. Now you're going to be you're going to be allowed to speak because I really want to get your thought about this. The end of Monday Night Raw, it was so bad. It was so booty that the end of Monday Night Raw ended with the crowd taking over the show. So much so that The Miz went to toe with the crowd, yelling at them. In the middle of his match, he grabbed the microphone and he told them, you're booing me, you're playing with beach balls, you're doing the wave, and I'm here, I'm the best, I'm the one that's being overlooked. You have great performance in the ring and like really throwing a shoot on the fans. Mm -hmm. And the fans loved it. Like that was probably the only time in the match where the fans really pop because they're like, yeah, we got over, mm-hmm. you know, with beach balls. What are your opinions about beach balls at a wrestling event? 
Well, let's first start with SummerSlam when Cesaro jumped in the crowd and destroyed that beach ball. Great spot. Loved it. It brought interest back to their match, even though... But it was quick. It was quick, but it, it really hyped... Because I, I hate to say it, they didn't have enough chemistry that the match was going so well. Moving forward... Actually, let's move back. Chris Jericho made this beef during uh, one of the WrestleManias where he said, you're the crowd. You're not the, the, the point. You're not the center the of attention. Yeah. You're not the performers. So Chris Jericho had, went on this whole big rant saying, the crowd, you're, I'm glad you guys are ticket buyers or whatever audience members, but you need to shut your effing mouth and just remember, we are the show. You didn't come here to steal our heat. We need to be the heat. So where Miz was coming from, you know, enough wrestlers have said it. It's not like the Miz is the original guy who thought of this. I'm more than certain that he hears it from the back and everybody in the back is bitching like, why is the crowd trying to take away our moments here? And it makes sense. They were taking away Cesaro and Sheamus and, uh, you know, uh, Rollins during SummerSlam. So it's just a bleed over from last night. Okay. That's all I have to say. Are you, are you a beach ball fan? Do you like the beach balls? Being in the stands, is, is that entertain you as a fan? Listen, if your match is terrible, you deserve the beach ball. If you're not invested in my interest, that's not my problem. That's your fault. To be mad at the crowd and say that the crowd is taking away your moment, this is your job to get me entertained. If a beach ball is getting me entertained, that's not the beach ball's fault. That's your fault. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree. I like the way that Cesaro handled it. Mm-hmm. He gave it just enough of a pop to run out, crush it, mm-hmm. and then get back in the ring and then continue his match. Like, it just needed a split second for the acknowledgement and then move on because it definitely got the fans back invested mm-hmm. in their match at SummerSlam. Yeah. I think the Miz ate it up too much. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bled. And so the, people just kept the, finding more beach balls. I'm like, where were they making them? Did they have a little Chinaman in like the up, the <laughs> upper <laughs> deck just like <laughs> making these freaking beach balls by hand? I mean, I, there were right. just so many. Just for the record, I'm Chinese. So anybody who's like, he just made racist Chinese moments. I'm, I'm Chinese. Okay? <laughs> so you're allowed. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that. I just so, don't want anybody listening being like, man, this, this, this station or this podcast just got racist. No, not at all. I mean, it's one of the reasons that I hired a Chinese man because there's a whole lot of China jokes that you I've been saving. You can't. But, just because I'm an intern, you can't call me a Chinaman. It's just, <laughs> it's just, not, it's just not allowed. Um, John Cena actually had uh, some important things to say, so why don't we throw it to him and see what he has to say. All right, so he pretty much says, "Congratulations, fans! You know he loves it when we have fun. We had a we had a great time, and, and we're here to enjoy what which whatever form of entertainment we want to enjoy ourselves with. If it's the matches, if it's the beach ball, if it's, it's the wave, hands off to us. Um, so agree to disagree with John Cena, but that's what he had to say." My adding is just that I thought he was just throwing lube in the crowd. He was literally (laughs) 
just like, hey guys, I'm just going to throw some lube in the crowd. Anybody wants to fuck me, come right in. Because <laughs> that's all he was doing. He was just kissing everybody's ass. He's like, tired of hearing Cena sucks. Yeah. Like, you know, he literally he's tired was, of being booed. Oh, man. He was just You did like, get a pop after that. You could yeah. watch the full video on A Shot of Wrestling on Instagram. We'll post it on Facebook. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what John Cena had to say. Moving on to Cheers and Heels of SmackDown. Uh, you saw it with me this evening. What did you think? What, SmackDown? Yeah. You mean... As, uh, we already talked about the Bobby Roode spot. All right. So Bobby, is that is a cheer Bob, or a heel? Bobby, listen, this is how bad I am. Is it Bobby Roode? Roode, yeah. Okay. Bobby Roode, you got it right. Well, he my, my, uh, my thing was, I think it's a cheer that Bobby Roode debuted on SmackDown. I think it's a heel the way the production handled it. You I think, think it's rude? I think put, it was straight rude, up rude, rude how they handled his debut. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree with you on that. Um, any other cheers and heels from SmackDown? Did you like anything else? Oh, Did you not I'll, like I'll it? I'll give you a heel. There was the Shinsuke versus his, uh, the Jinder Mahal's two jobbers. For the record, <laughs> the SummerSlam match was was uh, forgettable. It was like, why did this even get booked? Mm-hmm. And then... Of course, you know, he did do something SmackDown. That SmackDown confrontation. I don't care if they call it a two-on-one handicap. When you're going against two jobbers, you, five jobbers, ten jobbers, it's a squash. I don't care if yeah. you say uh, handicap. If you're going against jobbers, it's a squash. That's all I have to say about that. I'm going to heal the continuous downfall of Baron Corbin. I'm a Baron Corbin fan. I've been a Baron Corbin fan since day one, since his NXT days. I met him at WrestleMania. We were eating some ribs together, and we had a good time. And he just won it over for me. Wait, which uh, WrestleMania? Uh, Wrestle Dallas. Oh, Dallas. really? Yeah. Uh, I must have missed this story. Yeah. Uh, we had a great time. We ate some ribs, good ribs. And, um, you know, I was really excited about his up and coming. I was like really great about him winning the money in the bank. I'm like, great, he's going to be a champion. And he is now one of three wrestlers who cashed in his money in the bank and lost. Other two were Damian Sandow and John Cena. Um, So kudos to John Cena because apparently he was the first one and he's making it cool to lose. Um, But with uh, Baron Corbin now, his demise, I mean, he lost his money in the bank. He lost his match at SummerSlam. And now he... It's not even wrestling. He's a freaking referee. What is he going to be doing next week? Is he going to be Carmella's valet? Is he going to be holding the camera? Is he going to go to the announce table? Like, how how much down more does Baron Corbin have to go? Or is this the whole storyline behind it? Like, let me show you how much dirt this guy has to eat. So when he actually gets back to the top, it means something. I don't know. So what was it like? Uh, the first Andre the Giant was uh, was uh, quick uh, big show. Next one that, was Cesaro. that's right. Baron Corbin yeah. was also and, and the Cesaro. winning. He won that. But I'm just saying, big show won. Nothing happened. Cesaro won. Nothing happened. Baron Corbin won. The very next year, he was on the pre-show. How can you? And then Mojo Rally won, and nothing happened. What I'm trying to say is, nothing has happened when you won Andrea John better. Or, is it like a curse? It's cursed. Uh, Corbin. Oh, and I and I predicted that Corbin was going to lose his pre-show against Dean Ambrose. Hmm. That's the problem. They are not giving Corbin the right push. Somehow, I think his paychecks are all right because supposedly he own, he lives in Undertaker's previous house. So that's what <laughs> oh, I really heard. that's what I heard. It's that, it's that the news. So you can't go on a, on a wrestling podcast and, and give fake news. All right, no, you're not I'm the president is, of the United States. <laughs> he lives. Oh, I'm, sorry, yeah, exactly. Hall of Famer. Hall of WWE Famer. Hall let's, of Famer. By the way, that, that is also a Trump. bit I want to do is do the history of Donald Trump in the WWE. Like I think we should have it as a bit. That's something I want to 
uh, discuss. Okay. Anyways, forget what I'm in, trying to intern, get. There's no reasons why you need to be pitching me ideas, okay? You're just an intern. I, I run the show. Fine. Uh, Michael J. Putty has full control over this. He is the host. Um, you're probably going to get fired after that comment. Yeah, fine. Downgrade me to uh, toilet cleaner intern. So Baron Corbin is getting the checks, but for some reason he's not getting the push. That's That was the, the, the conclusion. But yes, Baron Corbin does live in the Undertaker's old house. Okay. Now you hear heard it here first. If if we're wrong for some reason, it, it, it's just intern Jeff's theory that Baron Corbin lives in Undertaker's home. Previous house. <laughs> well, that was it for SmackDown. Anything else notable? Anything else that we're missing? Oh, you missed, uh, of course, the AJ uh, main event versus uh, KO with uh, Shane Ruffin again. You thought wait, it would well, wait. It was Baron Corbin Ruffin. Whatever. You thought. Did, did he look like, like Shane McMahon? Have you had too many shots of wrestling already? I literally just watched SmackDown, so I don't know what I was watching. <laughs> you were also drinking while you were doing it. Yeah. I'm it's okay. A little, a little late okay. on the SmackDown. Okay? We'll give you a shot of espresso. Okay. No more uh, alcoholic beverages for you. But yes. yeah. Um, that, was, that was our SummerSlam weekend. It is over. Barclays Center has now been returned to the hippies, to, to the, what are the, these people call in Brooklyn? The hipsters? It's been oh. returned back to you. Hey, for the it's record, over. Though. The wrestling fans are out of Brooklyn. We, I don't know if you remember anybody who was in our section during SummerSlam, but you should, if you know anybody's name, you should thank them. They were all cool. Section 10. Yeah. I guarantee, yes, I have to agree. Section 10 during SummerSlam was probably the chillest section I've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, there were girls mm-hmm. there who loved the product and they weren't there just to hang out with their boyfriends who loved the product. Same thing on Monday Night Raw. Really? There was this uh, couple from Mississippi that I was sitting next to and I felt like the girl was so much more into the product. Like, she was talking about it. She knew about it. It wasn't just like she was into Total Divas, and that was it. Like, I love it. The girls are into wrestling. Yeah, I love a girl who loves wrestling. And that's, a, that's another valid point to bring up about female wrestling. I went to a job interview this week, and I met uh, two girls at this interview, and they said the same thing. They're just like, I just want to put on some crazy outfit and go wild. I think girls are that, really... In- where, where are you working? I, I want to go there. <laughs> Trust me. I would love if these girls did it. But I think what I'm starting to realize, girls, they don't know much about wrestling, but they're starting to love the glitz and the glamour of it. Like, that's the first step. And that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, about you. Like, for example, you. You have the glitz and the glamour. And that's what draws attention to you and hopefully brings everything to here. But women are definitely seeing the same thing from the female wrestling perspective, that they love the outfits. They love the girls' showmanship. They don't know too much about the wrestling, but that enough is getting more and more women invested into women's wrestling, in my opinion. Do you love women who love wrestling? Oh, of course. I would love to have a woman uh, next to me who loves wrestling because then I wouldn't feel like I'm boring her to death. You ever feel mm-hmm. like you're throwing knives at somebody when you're yeah. talking about wrestling? You know, I, I have what you need. Oh, you do? I, I have the medicine to your illness. It's what I have right here. Um, well, not really me, hmm. but you could call our hotline. That is 619-343-3005 and just have your questions answer to help you find that special someone to maybe help you get into those special situations that you've always heard about but never thought you were sexy enough to overtake because you gotta dial it up for love with eric Jaden, baby that is 619-343-3005 but why listen to me tell you that why don't you listen 
to the definition of authority and sexiness himself, Eric Jaden. This is the definition of authority and sexiness, Eric Jaden. And, and if you're looking for love advice or just looking to get laid tonight, forget eHarmony, forget Tinder. Dial up for love, baby. 619-343-3005. And I'll help you become the next definition of authority and sexiness. Yo, Green man, that was that was amazing. This Eric Jaden guy. I'm definitely looking for some advice right now because I don't know if you know this, but Time Out New York has this thing at the end of their magazine called Undateable. And I was thinking about, you know, applying myself like I'm kind of undateable, but maybe I'm not. But Eric Jaden, man. That's very nice of you to to admit that you're undateable. Cause I, I've seen that Time Out New York New York Summit. I like it. You know, they, a- they they set the bar very low and I feel very <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> It's the perfect spot for my intern to go and hang out. Yes. Um, so do they set up a date for you? If, well, how you does this work? if your bar is as low as their expectations, you will qualify. But if you are too high, they will not allow you. So okay. hopefully, you know, with the help of Eric Jaden, if I get chosen, I won't feel undateable. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm convinced that the definition of authority and sexiness would totally guide you the right way to being sexy, landing a date, and uh, scoring by the end of the evening. I think that's pretty much I mean, what this hotline is all about. It's all about you, the people. We want people to feel the power of love. That's what it's all about. That is it, my man. Uh, thanks for the beers. Thanks for the good time. Do you have any go-home thoughts? My go-home thought is uh, I hope next week uh, the wrestling is uh, more exciting. I, <laughs> I love wrestling. Well, thank you for all those new listeners. Thank you for following us again. And if you want to follow A Shot of Wrestling on Facebook and Instagram, you could go to A shot of wrestling on facebook and instagram and if you want to follow us on twitter just go to shot of wrestling no a on twitter this show is from the fans and it's to the fans and it's your forum to discuss your thoughts have fun with it and who knows your thoughts could be part of next week's show if you need love advice from the definition of authority and sexiness dial it up for love that's 619-343-3005 and for more information or to be a sponsor email us at inbox at shotofwrestling.com for Jeff the intern for Mike Orlando for Anthony Bennett for Kicker Christian I'm the green man green man out Hey baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh my. And maybe you seem a bit confused, yeah baby, but I got you pinned. Ha 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night everybody. <laughs>